Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. In this illustration, um, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he is master of all. Now, Paul here is comparing an heir to someone who is under the law in that the heir is no different than the slave. And what that means is he really has no right to speak because he's still a child. He has not been um, placed over the estate as of yet. Now, one day he may be lord of all, but not until uh, the father appoints for him to be. You see, in both Jewish and Greek cultures, there were definite coming-of-age ceremonies where, where a boy stopped being a child and started being a man with legal rights as an heir. In the Roman custom, there was no specific age when the son became a man. It happened when the father thought the boy was ready, when he thought the time was right. So when Paul uses the phrase, until the time appointed by the father, he shows that he has the roaming, the Roman coming-of-age custom more in mind than the Jewish custom. Because in the Roman custom, a child became an adult at a sacred family festival known as the Liberalia, um, held annually on the 17th of March. It was at this time that a child was formally adopted by the father as his acknowledged son and heir and received the toga virilis, in place of the toga pretexta, which he had previously worn as a child. There was a Roman custom that on that day, a boy or a girl grew up. The boy offered up his ball, and the girl offered up her doll to Apollo to show they had truly indeed put away childish things. And he says in verse 3, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. The point is that under the law of the Jew, we were in infancy. We were not yet mature under the law. Of course, the conclusion is that under grace that came through Christ, we have been made free. We have been proclaimed true heirs. In verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Again, he's looking at this Roman custom. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, in the Old Testament, it always talked about that I will write my law no longer on tablets of stone, but upon hearts of flesh. And, and into your hearts crying out, Abba, Father. The proof that Jesus has done this is the Holy Spirit. He has written his law on, on our, in, in our hearts. The Holy Spirit has, is the proof of our salvation. It is proof that we are no longer servants, but we are now sons. We are heirs with Christ. We have come of age. Jesus said in John 15, 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knows not what his Lord is doing. But I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. 
Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you are now a son. And if a son, then you're now an heir of God through Christ. We are no more a servant because we have matured. We are no longer infants under the law. Paul said in Romans 8, 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we are not only heirs, but we are joint heirs with Christ. We are going to share in Christ's inheritance. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather you become known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements of which you desire again to be in bondage? The point is, what are you doing? What are you doing? You want to go backward? You see, legalists are trying to put you back into pampers. A legalist is trying to take you out of that heir status that you have now been granted by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and place you back into that servant status of the law. But then indeed, he says in verse 8, when you did know God, you served those which by nature were not gods. But now after you have known God or rather are known by God, how is that you want to go backward? What are you doing? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me. He is calling their salvation again into question. He says, Brother, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You've not injured me. In other words, let's think alike on this subject. You're no longer children. You're no longer under the law. You are now joint heirs with Christ. Act like it. He says in verse 13, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first, and my trial was in my flesh. You did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God or a messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus. But then, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. You see, initially, they had a wonderful relationship with Paul. And he says, I don't want this to come between you and me. Now, when he speaks of his own physical infirmity, he says, back in the beginning, when, you, when I first met you, you recognized my physical infirmity, but it didn't come between us. And this reference is to Gal- in Galatians is... is um, many people think Paul's referring to his eyes. As a matter of fact, Paul most likely spoke of this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 when he said, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So when he says in verse 13, you know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first and my trial was in my own flesh. You did not despise me. You did not reject me at that time, but you received me as a messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus himself initially. Of course, now they're fighting against him. They're fighting against his message. They're fighting to go back under the bondage that he came to preach the gospel to free them from. And he says in verse 16, have I therefore become your enemy because I'm now telling you the truth? He had just questioned their salvation in the preceding verse and most likely felt compelled to do so because of their apparent eagerness to place themselves back under the law of Moses, even after they had been freed from it through faith in Christ. 
Now, in this verse, he assumes that he had angered them and says, am I, am I your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Bear in mind, he's writing a letter. He, doesn't, he can't see their physical reaction, but he knows what their physical reaction is going to be. And he says, what, am I now your enemy because I'm speaking the truth to you? After 26 years of ministry, I am still absolutely amazed how quickly people can turn on you when you confront them with the truth. Years of friendship can be dismissed over one little incident. It seems like the more you've done for them, the faster and angrier they turn. You know, I've always said, you can pat them on the back 99 times, correct them once, and they'll hate you for life. And how sadly true that is. What an arrogant society in which we live, in which no one can humble themselves to accept correction. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What more love can you offer to someone than to risk the relationship to correct them? You're not judging them. You know, how many people quote that verse out of context? Judge not, lest ye be judged. You're not judging them. You're correcting them. I see my child stepping out of line. I correct him. I see a friend that I love, that I value. I, I correct them. I speak truth to them. And how many of us have done that and lost friendships forever because of it? I have plenty. It reminds me of that movie with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholas called A Few Good Men. In it, Cruise is a young naval officer, Jag lawyer, and he asks a seasoned old Marine played by Nicholas for the truth. Nicholas responds, you can't handle the truth. Unfortunately, that is true for most people. One pastor friend told me, if you're going to give them the truth, make sure you do it in small doses. We shouldn't be that way. We should be people who will allow ourselves to be corrected by those who are closest to us and those who love us. Because it takes guts to walk up to someone you love and speak the truth to them. God bless you guys. Hope that you have an awesome day. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you, and working all things out for your good.